0: We at on the way home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. <coughs>
1: Welcome to On The Way Home, a podcast
0: dedicated to the issues surrounding homelessness and the incredible experts making a difference in the lives of
1: homeless people. Remember to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you're listening and share it with a friend.
0: Hello, once again, you are with Michael Braithwaite On The Way Home, our podcast brought to you by the good folks at Blue Door and the good folks at the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness. What's happening at the Canadian Alliance right now hey if you have not been on social media uh, you might not know that there's a huge conference happening in november it's the biggest of uh, its kind in our sector so the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness puts on an annual uh, conference this year very cool that they're able to do it virtually and in person in Toronto uh, and I believe it may not I don't know when this is going to air exactly but you want to try and get it as early as possible so you get the early bird discount they have hundreds of the best of the best speakers from across the country. So check it out, um, and if you can't be there in person, virtually, you know, sign up and, and check out all the different speakers they have. They have some great keynotes as well. And we at On the Way Home uh, will be there as well, interviewing some of the brilliant minds from around the world that are trying their best to prevent and and homelessness. Now, each week on the podcast, we have incredible guests uh, from all angles. Uh, it is a complex issue. Uh, we talk about health. We talk about justice. We talk about uh, the prevention of homelessness, and, and we get that from experts in the field, from live experts, etc. Today, we will not disappoint. We have another amazing guest. Before we get there, let me just tell you a little bit about my organization, Blue Door. We are pumped because we work in, uh, we, we have a lot of the work we do is in York Region, just above Toronto, and we work. We have a two-tier municipality, so that means we have nine municipalities, so nine mayors. And then we have a regional government that is responsible for emergency housing, uh, transitional housing, and they're doing some incredible work. They have built in about 18 months, which is an incredible uh, time period to get this up. uh, And they've built an 18 unit transitional housing unit and Blue Door is very fortunate to be operating that. And uh, by the time this podcast drops, it will be up and running. Adding 18 units to York region is just incredible. Those are single units. They've been beautifully done. The building itself, uh, is very, very uh, green uh, and efficient, which is very cool too. So it's truly affordable. So we're really, really excited about that uh, here at Blue Door. So lots of good stuff happening at Blue Door and lots of good stuff happening at the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness. But let's get to our guests. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the justice system and homelessness and some work that's been done around that. Uh, and with me today is Sophia Hussein, who is a uh, Senior Policy Analyst at the Center of Research and Policy of the John Howard Society of Ontario. And they just recently got a new CEO from the region of York, uh, Krista Cullen, who I know quite well. She's amazing uh, and so happy for uh, Kristen to see that happen. But let's talk about Sophia. She participates in the Center's research and policy activities, supports the public education activities of the society, and liaises with local offices and community partners on reform initiatives. Sophia's drafted reports, one which we'll talk about today, submissions of public education materials on criminal justice issues, including bail, the impact of police records on employment and correctional health care. She holds a, bachelor's in, a Bachelor of Science in Psychology from York University and a JD from the University of Windsor, faculty of law. Very, very well qualified and educated. She completed her articles at the Office of Ontario Ombudsman. It was called to the Ontario Bar in June 2018. We are so fortunate to have her doing the groundbreaking work she is doing and fortunate to have her on the podcast today. Sophia, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Awesome. Well it's great to have you here. And we you know, we've kind of touched on justice and its relation to homelessness, etc. over time, but it's great to have an expert like yourself. Uh, On the show and and the work that the John Howard uh, Society does in that in that realm, Uh, it's just you know it's unmatched uh, in this sector. Before we get to some of those specific questions, we ask everyone the same question to start the show because there is not one answer for this. There's some related themes, but what does home mean to you?
1: I think that's a really good question. Um, For me, home is definitely more than just sort of shelter and, and a roof over my head. I think when I think of home, I think of a place where I feel comfort, safety, um, you know, sense of belonging. So I think there's a, a couple key components in there for what home means.
0: Absolutely. And you mentioned, so, it's so funny, the one common theme that we often hear on the show is that people do not mention the actual physical structure. That's not what jumps to their head, uh, when, and, but they do talk about that safety, that belonging. That kind of stability that uh, affordable and safe place to call home brings you for sure. Uh, before we get chatting about and dive kind of further into the work um, that you're doing, can you tell us a little bit about the John Howard Society of Ontario for people that may not be familiar with
1: it? Yeah, absolutely. So the John Howard Society of Ontario has uh, is a non-for-profit organization. Uh, we've been committed to the mandate of effective, just and humane responses to crime and its causes uh, for over 90 years. And there's 19 local offices across the province that deliver more than 80 evidence-based programs and services, um, looking at things like prevention, intervention, reintegration services across the province. So it's sort of the full spectrum of experiences with the criminal justice system, and even outside of that, looking at social justice issues. Um, We have sort of youth programs that help uh, with life skills. We help families navigate criminal justice and there's programs that help with things like job training and housing services, as well as residential programs for individuals recently from, released from institutions. Um, and our center research and policy at the provincial office, uh, while we don't engage in any frontline service, we actually work on sort of bridging that gap between research and analysis and the frontline experience. We collaborate closely with local offices, um, and we have a team of analysts and researchers that conduct research on criminal and social justice issues, develop policy positions um, you know, to affect uh, change, advance those policy positions to government and other organizations, and we have public education initiatives and uh, evaluation of programs to guide future work. And so we're we're trying our aim is to sort of translate that higher level research and policy into real action that affects clients that we serve across the province
0: very well said and very very important work Um, and i think people may not understand so much that we read right now about the housing crisis how it's affecting our most vulnerable uh, how hard it is uh, even if you have a a, you know a well-paying job to find rental housing or housing of any sort that's safe and and meets your life. But but I don't think people quite understand if you've had involvement with the justice system, how that affects you uh, in trying to find housing. Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, we know, as I mentioned, justice and, and homelessness are very much linked. And For those uh, people who may not understand the linkage between it, maybe you could uh, help us a little bit uh, shining a little bit of light on uh, the intersections between Uh, homelessness and incarceration and the vicious cycle uh that it brings
1: yeah absolutely it certainly is a vicious cycle and one that's definitely a lot easier to to enter than it is to get out of um so uh, you know as we know and i'm sure you've talked about a lot on in this space there's a lot of factors that can lead to homelessness so you know personal issues systemic factors loss of employment illness or mental health issues and uh, a person living with homelessness is there then at increased risk of involvement with the criminal justice system and so that's in a couple different ways there's extra visibility you know somebody with uh, living on the streets living rough has extra visibility when it comes to contact with the justice system with police there's also laws that are relatively easy to follow if you have a place to shelter but may not be as easy to follow if you're living on the streets. so things like um, solicitation laws you know, for somebody whose only form of, um, you know, some money to get food that day is panhandling. Solicitation laws can be exceedingly difficult to uh, to follow. And the same with loitering, you know, for people that are trying to find a place to sleep, um, they can be charged with loitering uh, offenses and, um, you know, having to be out in different places, trying to find somewhere warm, trying to find a bit of shelter under uh, a little bit of a roof. So, a lot of these laws can also get people caught up in the justice system when they are dealing with homelessness. And then once somebody is involved with the justice system, that also can result in homelessness or exacerbate those issues. So, we know that uh, people can be arrested, they can be held in uh, correctional institutions, and sometimes if they're denied bail, they can be held in correctional institutions until their case goes through um, the courts. Uh, and until there is a decision reached. And so sometimes people are actually, they're not even guilty of a crime, but they can experience long periods of incarceration. It can take days, weeks, or months. And during that time, sometimes people can lose their employment. Sometimes people can lose their housing. And when they get out, um, then they're you know struggling to pick up those pieces. And another factor here is having a criminal record. So we know that having a criminal record is a huge barrier to employment. So for individuals who may not have even experienced any incarceration, but who may then, you know, have justice involvement, get a criminal record, be convicted of a crime, they sometimes can face huge challenges and barriers trying to find meaningful employment, and even in some cases, trying to find housing. And we know that, you know, without employment, oftentimes loss of housing or homelessness results. Uh, And it's also difficult to get out of that, you know, trying to find a job. When you don't have an address, is exceedingly difficult. So, as you can see, this all it all feeds into each other, and it is quite the vicious cycle.
0: Yeah, it's crazy when I think about it. And and you know, over the years, you know, I've worked with and chatted with people who may have made a fairly simple mistake, like you said. They, they have a criminal record. They have trouble finding a job, which means they then have trouble finding housing, which means they may maybe reoffend because that's what else am I going to do? I've got to get by. Uh, to to make a living Um, so it is that vicious cycle right that we we, we need to break now you recently uh, released john howard society of ontario uh, recently released a report called no fix address the intersections of justice involvement and homelessness can you talk a little bit about the correlation between no fix address and incarceration
1: yeah so i mean we've been talking about this linkage between justice involvement and homelessness for some time This has been a big issue and, um, you know, what we really kept coming up against was the need for data. You know, especially when we talk to decision makers and and we want to create change policy and things like that. You need to have the statistics and data to sort of back that up and and support uh, your identification of the issue. And so we wanted uh, to sort of do a bigger research project looking at the issue and trying to quantify these numbers and, and how big this issue actually is. Um, so this project, uh, No Fixed Address, this is, uh, this is the first step in a um, broader research project um, and this is a partnership between the John Howard Society of Ontario, the Canadian Observatory on Homelessness and the Social Research and Demonstration Corporation, um, made possible by a grant from the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation. And uh, this sort of looked at the link between justice involvement and homelessness and we got our hands on some data um, around uh, admissions to correctional institutions and instances where individuals cited that they did not have a fixed address, meaning that they didn't have stable permanent housing when they were admitted.
0: or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca.
1: Um, I can sort of go into a couple of the key findings if that would be helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you get like, I'm sure there was, you know, uh, the report is is amazing. But if you talk to us about some of the major learnings, that would be awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, this uh, the the main source of data for this report looked at. The admissions uh, to correctional institutions with no fixed address, so meaning that they didn't have a stable permanent address when they were admitted. We couldn't look at actual individuals, this looked at um, you know, a- accounts of admissions, so some people could be repeats uh, within this data. But it does provide an estimate of the number of individuals experiencing homelessness who are being admitted to correctional institutions to give us a picture of the issue. Um, Some of the key findings that came out of this research are that no fixed address admissions in the general population have been increasing over time. And uh, we looked at data from uh, 2007 to 2021, so sort of about a 15-year time period, and we saw that increasing over time. And the no fixed address admissions of Indigenous peoples has increased faster than non-Indigenous peoples over that same time period. And what we then want to look at is okay we're seeing an increase in the number of admissions that are coming in with no fixed address is that just because we're jailing more people over time is that um, you know what does that look like in proportion to the number of people inside corrections and we found that actually uh, no fixed address admissions do make up an increasingly large proportion of all incarceration so it is going up even within the population of people in correctional institutions And, uh, you know, we saw that there, we did take sort of a regional lens um, and looked at different localities across the province because we know across Ontario, very different locals, very different realities and challenges. And we found that most people living with homelessness at the time of incarceration are from uh, the central region of Ontario. So that includes sort of the urban Toronto region. Um, However, the proportion of no fixed address admissions has been growing the most outside of the central region. So proportion to their populations. And uh, in some cases it's more than others. So correctional institutions in the Northern region have higher numbers of individuals with no fixed address relative to its population.
0: Do you know, so so fascinating stuff, um, and I'm thinking like I, I have guesses as to why in Northern areas too, right? Also a lack. That more, even more so of affordable housing, or no shelter spaces, that kind of thing. So it might be there. Uh, you mentioned it, it's declining over the last fifteen years, and Dishes' population is even more so uh, overrepresented. Any idea? I don't know if this the, the, the report would have dealt with this, but do you have theories on why it's been climbing so much?
1: I think you know part of the this project, and um, there is sort of a second part. So I alluded that this is part one. Um, we you know this is sort of looking at the data and part two of this project is actually uh, speaking to people with lived experience speaking to stakeholders across the province uh, trying to get a sense of what this looks like contextualizing this data and I think that's one of the questions that we're trying to address is why is this happening and what can be done to address it what can be done to support people and sort to address these rising numbers of people that are coming in with no fixed address I think um, you know, what you, what you spoke about with access to services and supports and a safe, affordable housing is a huge one. We know that uh, across the board, not just with people with justice involvement, but access to safe, affordable housing is an issue. And have people more and more people are sort of being priced out of the housing market or facing issues with accessing affordable housing. And I think that's, you know, one of the factors that's definitely involved here with this population as well.
0: Uh, absolutely. Now, in any report that you do, I think some of it you'll say, you know, that confirmed what we thought, but it's good to have the data. But there's also some surprises. Are there any surprises you could share with us that uh, came out of the work?
1: Yeah, I think one of the surprises that uh, for the research team that came out of this was just how difficult it is to really capture and identify this issue. You know, it's very it's very hard to have data on homelessness just because it's hard to um, sort of um, Count how many people are actually dealing with homelessness, and especially with this population, and uh, and so this lack of data is it's a huge challenge. And we didn't. I think the research team found that to be a, a bit of a surprise. You know, thinking about okay, I realize that there are are challenges with gathering this information, but when you really delve into it, it, it really is hard. Um, and even the data that we had had limitations. You know, so uh, I think that was one of the surprises. And the other thing is, you know, it doesn't, you know, this information, even when you do have data, it doesn't tell you the full picture. It doesn't tell you how many people with uh, dealing with homelessness are leaving corrections. You know, this looked at admissions data, and it doesn't tell you about uh, what happens to them or what their life looks like or these intersection, inter intersecting issues that they're experiencing and how that impacts their experience of homelessness. So I think that was probably one of the main surprises we came up against.
0: You know, one of, one of our first guests that we had on the predecessor of this podcast, called Out of the Blue, or our first guest, actually, I should say, one our first guest was Jesse Thistle, uh, and Jesse uh, now is a in, you know a Indigenous uh, PhD. Uh, he, he's he's embraced his his past, and, and he wrote he's a best selling author. But he talked about uh, he had a he had a broken ankle, and it was getting worse and worse. There he, he was in the, he could have lost his leg, and he said so he actually committed a crime because he knew two things. If he got went into prison, he, he thought, and he thought, I don't know if it's true, but I, I'll, I'll have a chance to get clean and I'll get proper medical care. And, and he did, and his, his foot healed, um, and he was able to do that, and he, he talks about the struggles. But I know for Jesse, even in all he's done, getting a pardon mm-hmm. years after, right, to move on with his life and push forward was incredibly difficult. It was a process. and. I mean this is a well-connected and respected individual and he's struggled hard so i can imagine uh for folks coming out of you know even a short-term incarceration um and that getting in the way pardon, hopefully helping them moving forward uh where do they even start you know any, any thoughts on that at all
1: yeah absolutely i mean that's a major challenge for for many people having a criminal record it just follows them it becomes almost like a life sentence because it creates the, that insurmountable barrier to accessing employment, to being able to move on from your criminal record, even for people, like you mentioned, who have you know, moved forward and, and it might be decades or years after uh, a conviction with no further interactions with the law. Um, you know, I think that a big piece of our work, uh, another aspect of it is looking at the impact of criminal records. And we've talked a lot about the impact criminal records have on employment and really trying to sort of break down some of those barriers. Um, You know, education for employers on how how to conduct, um, you know, rights respecting police record checks, because oftentimes people have blanket police record check policies for all jobs, and then they see any sort of positive result come back, anything on a, a record, and it's an automatic no. Whereas you know, there's there's an opportunity here to actually have some education around knowing what to look for, knowing that uh, just because somebody had a record, had a conviction, um, it might be years ago, it might be completely unrelated to the job at hand. And that individual uh, is, is often an excellent candidate and, and would actually be an asset to your uh, organization or uh, company. And so um, a lot of the work that we do is around Uh, breaking down some of those barriers and helping people actually be able to move on. And we know in the housing sector, that's also a big issue. Uh, Sometimes we're seeing now people having to complete police record checks for housing applications and the same sort of issues resulting. So I think um, that's definitely one of the issues that we've identified. We're actually part of a couple coalitions trying to correct that issue and, and change hearts and minds across the province. There's a fair chance this coalition that uh we're part of that are made up of employers that are actually saying standing up and and saying you know i'm i create rights-based uh policies around police record checks and and you know are um interested in giving people a chance and uh and trying to make it easier for people to access um record suspensions so that these things you know years after their convictions you know with no new fresh convictions are able to actually move on, seek employment, get that housing and be able to move on from their criminal records. So that's uh, definitely a major issue.
0: Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. I, I remember uh, back, I'm old enough to remember when all, all employers started doing the criminal reference piece and it was at first was so black or, or white, you know, you, you have one, no, no job or whatever. When you actually started asking a few questions and having a conversation for so many people, it was either, as you said, years ago or something minor, I was 18 years old uh, it was silly I had to fight at a bar and I have a conviction. now I, I you know uh, was desperate and I passed a bad check and you know when, and all these things where you're like well that's not gonna at all have anything to do with their ability to do this job and so to have that flexibility right but to be so risk averse and it's a bit of a human rights thing I would think too right um, you know and so yeah absolutely and to, I mean there, there's so many barriers already. To people accessing housing, whether it be uh, income related, whether it be mm-hmm. a credit report, whether stack that upon it too. It's just another thing stopping people from moving forward
1: in life. Exactly, exactly.
0: So you've done the report. I know you don't want this. You say there's a part two. This is not done for. Hey, this is great. Let's put it on a shelf. Uh, what are your hopes uh, for this report? Like, where, what, like. What, what, like Talk a little bit about next steps to to stage two and what your hopes are for that in this report, uh, how it will be used and how it might move things forward.
1: Well, exactly. At at the um, John Howard Society of Ontario, we don't do any research just for research sake. You know, we're we're not trying to conduct research just to sit on the shelf and get dusty somewhere. So the goal with everything that we do is to try and actually create a a positive impact um, in Ontario and for our clients. Um, With this project, so phase, uh, the next phase of the the project, like I said, is is actually talking to people with lived experience from uh, different sites across Ontario to really understand the scope of this issue, what challenges they face, how their intersecting identities, uh, you know, impact these barriers that they have, what are their experiences, and then actually create a set of program and policy recommendations and strategies to enhance stability, uh, housing stability for people who have justice involvement in the province. And so our hope is that we can actually see a positive impact and start to address this issue, start to see that line going down instead of up over the years, um, and start to introduce these programs across the province that can help people who are experiencing housing issues and justice involvement. Uh, We also are hoping to create tools for frontline service providers On how to assist people with justice involvement and who are experiencing homelessness Uh, you know oftentimes people might access services for various issues that they're experiencing in their life but for uh, you know it, it helps to be able to identify and say hey this is you know a housing issue and this is maybe where i can point you to get some assistance before it gets really bad even in some cases to prevent homelessness or to to help people access the right services and supports that they need uh, as early on as possible in order to help um, make sure some of these issues don't get that bad. So I think through through these sort of policy changes, through programs and, and tools to actually help individuals, we're hoping to make an impact.
0: Awesome, and, and I would say, you know, you're gonna build on the impact you've already had. Uh, so if clients, people listening, Uh, They have uh, clients, they have people they're working with, or if someone listening wants to get, wants to read this report, learn more about the great work you're doing at John Howard Society of Ontario, uh, where should they go?
1: Well, we do have a website. So it's uh, johnhoward.on.ca, and you can access our our research there, our reports. Um, You can find out about the other work that we're doing as well and get in touch with us if you'd like to be involved or learn more. We'd welcome that. Uh, we also do have social media. So we're on uh, Twitter at JHS Ontario. We're on LinkedIn. At, uh, you can find us at the John Howard Society of Ontario. Um, so please, yeah, we are uh, accessible in a couple different ways.
0: Amazing, amazing. Listen, uh, so much admiration. I see you, went to the, you, you, you were called to the bar in 2018. You probably could have done all sorts of different things, but you chose this sector you're choosing something you're making a massive difference uh it is so appreciated and, and i know uh many people that have worked uh for the john howard society uh including uh jonathan robar who, who who uh linked us together just an incredible individual um He's great. And, and, yeah it's great and you you could have and let me just ask you why why did, how did you end up uh with john howard or in this sector doing this kind of work
1: well, actually, the reason I got into it, um, so when I went to law school, I was really interested in criminal law and in criminal justice, um, and I, I did a lot of work with our community legal clinic. Um, I went to school in Windsor, so down there, and I saw the ways in which, you know, people, vulnerable, marginalized populations sort of get caught up in the criminal justice system. Um, working at a clinic, you see sort of low-income folks and, and these Experiences of marginalization that uh, cause people to get involved with the criminal justice system and prevent them from sort of getting out of that cycle. Uh, And so I got really interested in how to affect change on a more macro level. Uh, You know, as a lawyer, you you have that personal impact all the time. You have that one-on-one impact with a client. But I I just sort of identified that there's a lot of bigger higher level issues uh, that we need to address within our criminal social justice systems. And the John Howard Society uh, of Ontario was an opportunity to sort of look at some of the, those issues and explore those criminal justice issues from a higher level affecting sort of change at a, at a bigger level with uh, policy. So I, I'm very fortunate to be in this role and it's, it's been a great couple of years with the organization.
0: Very cool. I'm so glad you chose to go that route. And it's funny, like some of the the experts that have had years and years and years in this sector, they're saying uh, homelessness is a result of bad policy. So policy absolutely matters no matter what sector you're in. Uh, You're doing work to affect change, positive change uh, with policy, which will make big change happen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for all the work you do. And I encourage everyone to go check out this work. And when you move on to the second stage and you're talking with Live Experts, please come back. We'd love to hear more about it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the work that you do and this podcast. And I really have enjoyed being here. So thank you so much.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, it's interesting. We talk to a lot of different people on this podcast, but for me, sometimes we, unfortunately, we don't have as many young people uh, in the sector coming on making a difference. So it's so cool to see, Sophia, the work, that uh, she is doing in the work that the John Howard Society of Ontario is doing. Uh, We see it all the time at at Blue Door, unfortunately, right? Due to uh, different situations in people's lives, they've come in contact with the criminal justice system and then it's just a slippery slope, right? That's where chronic homelessness comes in. Uh, Sophia mentioned it, like we have to look at preventative ways, right? First of all, so people aren't ever, uh, that isn't their only choice, but if it does happen, do people do how do we, people, how do we, how do we is anything homeless, how do we make that a, a short period and how do we uh, circumvent that from a lifetime of being on the streets you know we, we all at some time or another have made different mistakes uh, and, and if someone's mistake has resulted in them being involved in the criminal justice that should not be a life sentence by any means uh, so incredible work uh, and for people to understand too I think a large part of changing that is creating that awareness this report will do that check it out go to their website check out the work they're doing share this podcast uh in general if we're going to prevent it in homelessness we create more awareness and that's what we're trying to do with this podcast create more awareness so people really understand what homelessness is what it isn't and how you can be part of the solution well another great guest we will see you next time on the way home